Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned, and unmerited favor, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. How many excited about the word this morning? How many expectant of the word? You know, every time I come to church, whether it's me who is preaching or somebody else is preaching, I always make sure that I come to the house of the Lord expectant because I know that men shall not live by bread alone, but men shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I want to share this morning on, on something that I believe that it is of great importance to us. And I'm going to try and, uh, and talk to you. I'm going to try and teach the word. So if you've got your notebook, if you've got somewhere where you are able to write down something, I highly recommend that so that when you go home, you're able to reflect back on what you've been reading and allow the Holy Spirit to continue to minister to you on an individual basis. Yes, we do have our social media sites where we upload the messages, the audio messages. We're there on YouTube. We're there on uh, Spotify. We're there uh, on, on, on iTunes, uh, Google Play, if I'm not mistaken. We, we are almost on a number of the key platforms so please make sure you do take advantage of those platforms so that you continue to expose yourself to, to the Word of God again and again. Church is not just a Sunday thing, but church ought to be our lifestyle. Amen and amen. Now, one of the things that I have observed in life um, is that our lifestyles are shaped by the things or people around us. Our lifestyles as believers, or in general, lifestyles are shaped by things or people near us or that are close to us. But today, I'm not going to be talking about people as such, but I want to talk about the things that uh, ought to be around us, that ought to shape our lifestyle. Why is lifestyle of such an importance to you as a believer? We are convinced beyond any shadow of doubt that in this season of influence, you are able to make a difference more through your lifestyle than the words of your mouth. You are able to impact, you're able to make a difference in other people's lives more through your character or through your lifestyle, more than the words that come out of your mouth. The words that come out of our mouth let them come to back up or to support your lifestyle. So as a believer, it is important to make sure that there is no discord between your lifestyle, what people see, and what people hear from you. So lifestyle is, is such of great importance in our lives. When we talk of lifestyle, we're talking about the way in which a person lives. And I'm convinced that God is more concerned about your lifestyle than what you say on a Sunday. Do I have a witness in the house? I'm convinced that the community reads more of your lifestyle than the words that come out of your mouth. As a matter of fact, the community or the, the culture that we live in 
uh, it promotes less of talking, less of conversations with our neighbors, unless you are more intentional. But uh, trust me, your neighbors read your lifestyle more than they are waiting to hear the words that you're going to say. So your lifestyle is going to be of great importance. But for you as a believer, you've got to know and to understand that what shapes your lifestyle are the things that are so near to you, are the things that are close to you. Now, they can be things that are close to you because you have invited them intentionally. Or there are things that are around you, not because you have made a decision, but they have just uh, found their way close to you. Or sometimes there are things that are around you because they have been forcefully pushed around you. Whichever way they shape your lifestyle. And the bottom line today is our lifestyles are shaped by things that are near to us. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Am I talking to somebody this morning? So on that basis, I want to share this morning on what I call the three essentials of our faith that should shape your lifestyle. Yeah. You don't have to allow things to shape your lifestyle that you haven't agreed to or that you haven't consented to. The simple reason being there are other things by virtue of how close they are to you, they have such a strong force on your lifestyle. So if you're going to change your lifestyle, if you're going to invest intentionally in your lifestyle, you've got to look at the things that are around you. God giving us grace probably will talk about people around you. But I'm sure you already agree with me that your lifestyle is also heavily influenced by the people that are around you. I think there's a portion in the scripture that says bad company corrupts what? Good character or good morals. It, it, it's the people that are around you. But it's not only people that are around you, but it's the things around you that also shape your lifestyle. Yeah. So sometimes if, if you want a change of life, if you want a change of lifestyle, begin by evaluating the things that are so close to you. I'm not talking about those things that just come once in a while and they go, but I'm talking about the things that have become uh, part and parcel of your daily life. Just, just keep an eye around them. If you want to change your life, keep an eye on people that you hang around with again and again. Keep an eye on people that you talk to again and again. Watch the words that come out of their mouth. Watch their influence because it is so powerful to shape your lifestyle. But this morning, I want to draw attention to just three essentials of our faith that should shape our lifestyle. That should shape our lifestyle. Now, I will go to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 13, verse number 14. Perhaps you haven't really mastered the verse, but the contents of this verse, they're so popular to us. Because every time we, we are finishing church, we always give grace, yeah? Every time we finish our service, before we go home, we always say, let's give grace. 2 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse number 14. If you're able to give it to me from the Amplified Version, I would really appreciate. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 13, 
verse number 14. Are we able to read it together from the screen? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, number one. And the love of God, number two. And number three, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now, so the three essentials that I want to share with you, that must shape your lifestyle. That must be so close to you. Uh, number one, grace. Number one is what? Grace. And number two is love. And number three is fellowship. Now, I'm persuaded beyond any shadow of doubt that if you allow these three to be so close to you, they will be able, they are capable of shaping a godly lifestyle. They have the capacity to shape a godly lifestyle if you allow them to be so close to you. Now, let me begin by concentrating. Do you mind going back to the verse? If you look at the last phrase, that's, that's where I want to begin with. When the writer says, be with you all. Somebody say, be with you. Somebody say, be with you. Now, that phrase, be with you, it is a suggestion of proximity. It is a suggestion of what? Of proximity. When we talk about proximity, we are talking of nearness in space, in time, or in relationship. Proximity speaks of nearness in space, in time, or in relationship. So when Paul was writing, after he had finished uh, presenting his case to the Corinthians from chapter number 1 to chapter number 13. But in his closing remarks, he says to them, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. In other words, he's saying, may grace, may love, and fellowship be so close to you. Am I with you this morning? May grace, may love, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, may they be so close to you in terms of nearness. You cannot afford to have grace be so far away from you. You cannot afford to have the love of the Father be so far away from you. And you cannot afford to have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be far away from you. But Paul comes in and he says, let these three be so near to you. Let them be so close to you. Why should they be so close to you? Because they are able to shape your lifestyle. They're able to work a godly character in you. So the benediction that we give at the end of the service, it is not just words that we say to fulfill a duty or to fulfill a protocol in the church. But these are so important. It's a blessing that is released that is supposed to stay near you as you encounter life during the course of the week. You can all agree with me that when we come to church, we're encouraged. When we come to church, we're inspired. When we come to church, we're motivated. But when we go back home and we begin to face the real issues that are affecting us 
in the normal setup of our living. You can all agree with me that that's where the real word needs to manifest. And now Paul comes in and he says, you know what, when you begin to encounter the challenges of life, there are things that you need to be so close to you. You need to have the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be so close to you. You need to have the love of the Father to be so close to you. And you need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be so close to you. On a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, and on a Saturday, you need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be so close to you. Because anything that is so close to you, it has the ability to shape your lifestyle. And anything that has the ability to shape your lifestyle, it also has the ability to affect your future. Am I talking to somebody in the house? Anything that is able to shape your lifestyle, it can actually determine your destiny. So it is important for you and I to be intentional about the things that we bring so close to ourselves. Because the things that we bring so close to ourselves, they can affect our destiny. They can affect the portion of our lives. If they are negative, if they are bad, if they're evil, they carry the capacity to forfeit your destiny. To change what God has proposed over your life. The things that are so close to us. But I'm suggesting to you this morning that amongst the things that can be so near you, Amongst the things that can be so close to you, allow the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Allow the, the, the love of the Father to be so close to you. And allow the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be so close to you in every situation of your life. In every circumstance of your life. Now, when we're talking about the grace, when we talk about the grace, I love... 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse number 9. It's a scripture that I call a verse or a scripture that summarizes grace. It's a scripture that's, that is able to summarize what? what grace is all about. And this is what the scripture says. For you are recognizing more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. His astonishing kindness, his generosity, his gracious favor, that though he was rich, that's grace. He's now explaining that though Jesus the Christ was rich, yet for your sake he became what? He became so poor that by his poverty you might become rich. That is being abundantly blessed. So when we talk about grace, the summary of grace is that Jesus Christ became so poor so that through his poverty, you and I can become what? Can become rich. That's grace. That's, that verse sums up what grace is all about. So the underlying effect of grace is exchange. Somebody say exchange. Somebody say exchange. The underlying power or force of grace is exchange. Every time grace manifests, every time grace happens, there is an exchange that takes place. The one who was poor, he has become poor 
so that his richness can become ours and he takes our poverty. So there is an exchange that what? That comes in and takes place. He has become so rich, so poor, the one who is rich has become poor for our sake so that through his poverty, the poverty that he has taken from us, we may become rich. So the underlying force of grace is exchange. Every time grace happens, there is a divine exchange that happens. And I'm saying to you, as you go through your week, as you go through your month, as you go through each and every day, make sure that grace is so close to you. Make sure that grace is so near to you at any given time in your life because you're going to encounter things in your life that you need Jesus to come and help you with. But when Jesus comes in and he manifests his grace, a divine exchange happens. In the course of the week when we are sick, when grace is so close to you, there is a divine exchange that happens. Your sickness is removed from you and Jesus comes in, he takes your sickness and he, he takes his, his health, his wellness, his wholeness and he exchanges, he exchanges that with your infirmities, with your weaknesses. Why? Because every time grace happens, there is a divine exchange that happens. But for that to happen in your life, you need to make sure that grace is so close to you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Never allow the grace of God to be far away from you. And never allow the enemy to put anything between you and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace must always be so close to you. When we talk of the grace, we are talking about that which you cannot work for. When we talk about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are talking about that which you cannot earn by any merits. We are talking about the undeserved favor of God. We are talking about the unearned favor of God. We are talking about the unmerited favor of God. That is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the one that I'm saying to you, allow it to be so close to you. Not only on a Sunday morning, but allow it to be so close to you on Tuesday through out to Saturday. Allow it to be so close to you. Because when it is so close to you, anything that the enemy comes, that the enemy throws and tries to fight you, Jesus Christ will bring the exchange. He will remove what is intended to harm you and he will place what is God intends for your good in your life. Am I talking to somebody in the house this morning? It is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So allow grace to be so close to you so that it can shape your lifestyle. So that it can shape your lifestyle. You know what? As a pastor, I, 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 let, let me make a confession today. I, I'm not so much impressed about Sundays. I love Sundays because it's a place where we can come and worship God together as a family and be, and be changed and, and be encouraged by, by other people. But let me tell you, I'm more concerned about what happens on a Monday through to Saturday. Because what happens on a day-to-day -day basis is more powerful than what happens once in a while. 
Can I repeat that, church of God? What happens to you on a day-to-day basis is more powerful than what happens once in a while. And what must happen every day of your life, it is the manifestation of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What must happen every time you go to work and things are not so well, it must be the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to wait for Sunday for you to experience the grace of God, but grace must be so close to you such that when you're going through stuff in your life, grace is there. Grace is so close to you. And you allow that grace to manifest in your life. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. John chapter number 1, verse number 16 through to 17. Grace chapter number 1, verse number 16 through to verse number 17. John writes and he says, there was a man sent from, is that right? 16. Out of his, do you mind go to verse number 14 maybe? I'll pick up from what Mr. K was, was sharing last time. The word became flesh. This is talking about Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. <laughs> I, I like that translation. The word became flesh and made his, referring to who? To Jesus. His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father. When he came from the father, he came from the father full. Full, not half full. But he came full of grace and truth. He's coming from a place of abundancy. And he is coming from the throne of God. He is coming full of grace and truth. And verse number 6, 15. Next one. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Verse number 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received what? Grace in place of what? Already given. Already given. And I'm saying to you, as you go through your normal week, as you go through each and every day, keep grace so close to you. Keep it so hard, so close to you. Do you mind reading that verse in Amplified Version? Verse number 16. Out of his fullness. For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace up upon grace, referring to spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. And we have received what? Favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. So when you, when you allow the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be so close to you, to be with you, you are allowing favor upon favor. You are allowing spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. You are allowing the gift of God to be heaped upon another gift. But that happens when we allow ourselves to be so close to the grace. It is not the grace of pastor, but it is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, the, it is not the grace of man. It is not the favor of man, but it is the favor of God that we're saying you need to allow it to be so close to you. 
Do you know that every situation that you face in your life, you need grace for that moment? Do you know that for every challenge that you face in your life, you need grace for that challenge? And I'm saying to you, don't, don't confront or don't go through the struggles of life without grace. Don't go through the issues of life without the grace or being so far away from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, I'm saying, don't leave grace at church. Don't leave grace on a Sunday. Don't leave or don't prescribe grace only to be a Sunday thing. And don't even allow the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just to be words that we say, but allow them to be real life. Allow them to be the essentials that can shape your lifestyle, that can shape the way that you live, that can govern the way that you conduct yourself. Allow the grace of God. Allow it to be so close to you. Allow it to be so close to you. Titus chapter number 2, verse number 11. Titus chapter number 2, verse number 11. I think I definitely love that one from the Amplified. For the remarkable, undeserved grace of God, the, that grace that brings salvation has appeared to who? Has appeared to all men, verse number 12. Now, watch what that grace does. It's teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires. So, if you keep, just keep that verse there. So, if you allow the grace to be with you, to be so close to you, that same grace has the ability to teach you to reject or to say no to ungodliness and to all worldly desires. You know, it's during the week where you need to overcome sin. Yeah? I can guarantee you, as we are seated in here, everyone can overcome sin the way that we are. The challenge starts when we leave where you are seated. Yeah? As we are seated right now, where we are, even if we stand up and start to pray, everyone is an overcomer. Yeah? The real challenge begins when we leave church. That's where you need the grace that is able to teach you, that is able to instruct you, that is able to guide you to a place where you can say no to ungodliness, to a place where you can say no to worldly desires. That is only done by the grace of God. You know, for us, we speak and we preach grace all the time. And, I, I, and I, I've never stopped to be surprised by people who say grace gives license to people to sin. You know, you know, have you ever heard that statement? Uh, these preachers of grace, they give people license to sin. It's simply because it hasn't been taught well. John 1 verse 16, it says, when Christ came from the Father, he came full of grace and truth. If I'd read the next verse, it would have said, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth was given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's, let's read it. You see that? For the law was given through Moses, but grace, that's the unend, undeserved favor of God and truth. It came through the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, how can grace promote sin when Christ came to remove sin? It doesn't make sense, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, how can grace give license to sin when grace is actually there to teach you to say no to sin? So if you want to live a life of an overcomer, 
if you want to have authority or to have dominion over sin, then allow the grace of God to teach you because grace will always teach you to say no to ungodliness. It will teach you to say no to worldly or immoral desires. Not only that, but it will teach you to live sensibly. It will teach you to live upright. And godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. <laughs> Somebody say in this present age. In other words, in our time. Yeah. So it is possible for you as a believer to have dominion over sin if you allow grace to teach you to say no to sin. Don't try to overcome sin outside grace. Because the only force that has power over sin is grace. Am I talking to somebody in the house this morning? So I'm saying to you, the first essential that has the ability to shape your lifestyle is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second essential that is able to shape your lifestyle by virtue of it being so close to you, is the love of the Father. Is the love of who? Is the love of the Father. I've never stopped to be amazed by the story that we call the story of the prodigal son. I've never stopped to be amazed. Because in that story, we see the amazing love of the Father. We have an opportunity to see the amazing love of the Father. The matchless love of the Father. And what that love is able to do. Now, whenever the enemy comes to attack you in your life, the enemy wants to bring you to a place where you begin to doubt the love of the Father. Because once you begin to doubt the love of the Father, you don't have anywhere to go to for help. That's what the enemy wants to do. Now, a believer who is growing in maturity in their faith is a believer who does not boast because he or she loves God? Can I repeat that? A believer who is growing in his or her maturity is one who does not boast in his or her love for God, but is one who boasts in how God or how much God loves him. Why am I saying so? Because your love for God fluctuates. Yeah? Am I talking real to you? Your love for God fluctuates. One day you are on fire. Real fire. And the other day, you are so frozen. You are so cold. Yeah, thank you. You're so, you, you're so empty. Yeah, your love fluctuates. And if you're going to bank or to base on your love for God... The enemy waits on that day when you are on minus zero degrees. And he comes in and he says, hey, it's you who say you love God. Is, 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 this, is this what you call loving God? Yeah. But if your boasting is in how much God loves you, then you are standing on a better ground because the love of the Father is unchanging. Even though the prodigal son went far away, 
and he broke the heart of the father, but the love never moved away from the father. Every day the father would wake up in the morning and, and, and look over the road in case the sun comes back. Why? Because the love of the father, it doesn't go away. The love of the father remains there. So as you go through your week, allow the love of the father to be so close to you. Allow the love of the father to be so near you to the point that it begins to shape your lifestyle. It begins to shape your mind. It begins to shape your thinking. It begins to shape your decisions. It begins to shape the people that you allow to be around you. It begins to shape everything that happens to you. The love of the Father. Romans chapter number 5, verse number 8. Romans chapter number 5, verse number 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless... Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. This number seven. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. In this way, which way? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So at what point did God start to love you? At what point did God start to love you? Because the starting point is very important. Because that's where the enemy sometimes hits us on. If you are not so clear about the starting point of God's love for us, the enemy can take advantage of you. The enemy wants you to think that God started to love you when you started to come to church. Yeah? The enemy wants you to think that God starts to love you when you started to do church things. But let me tell you, the love of God back that to the point when you were still powerless. The love of God started to manifest when we were unable to help ourselves. The love of God started way back when we were in that situation when, no, when, when we had no hope. And the Bible says, God demonstrated his love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the demonstration of the love of the Father. So just think about it. Before you were good, according to your level, God loved you when you were still evil. Sorry, it's a bit harsh. But I really wanted to sing. God loved you when you were still worldly. God loved you when you were still weird. Yeah. Every one of us, there was a point when we were weird. When we were still in sin. But still God demonstrated his love in that while we were still in that state, he loved us. He came and he loved us. So when the enemy comes in and he starts to bombard you based on you from your side, 
Take him to the side of Christ. Christ died for me. Christ died for me. He died for me before I was good. It was his love that made me look good. In the same way the prodigal son, the father loved him before he wore better clothes. The Lord, the father loved him when he had lost everything that the father had given him. But still the father demonstrated love. The father came in and he shielded the son from the hostility of the community. It was only the love of the father. And here's what I'm saying to you. Allow the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and allow the love of the Father to be so near you, to be so close to you, such that it will shape your lifestyle. It begins to shape the way that you live. It begins to shape the way that you do your life. Imagine waking up every morning and say, Daddy loves me. Imagine going to bed and, and declaring or making a confession that my father who art in heaven, he loves me. To a point where you are no longer doubting how much the father loves you. Even though the enemy is trying to make you doubt how much God loves you, but you get to a point where you are convinced beyond any shadow of doubt that daddy loves me. I have a father who really loves me. The underlying force of love is sacrifice. Remember I said the underlying force of grace is what? Exchange. But the underlying force of love is sacrifice. He sacrificed for us. But here's the good news. He sacrificed for you through Christ to more than 2,000 years ago. And it never ended there. God never stopped sacrificing for you when Christ died on the cross. But his sacrificial love for you is continuous. Is ongoing. Is ongoing. Is ongoing. Is there. When you're going through stuff, he's there to sacrifice for you. But what is more important for you? It is to make sure that you are so close to that love. Keep yourself close to the love of the Father. Keep yourself close to the love of the Father. The third essential, the third essential that must shape your lifestyle is fellowship. Is fellowship. And the underlying force of, of fellowship is close association. Is what? Is close association. Is close association. Now, this is something that God initiated right from the beginning of creation. That is why in the book of Genesis, here the Bible says, in the cool of the day, God would come in to visit man, to fellowship, to have communion with man. That has been the intent of God right from the beginning, to have a fellowship, an ongoing fellowship with him. And I can guarantee you, that if we can begin to work on this one, a lot of stuff will change in our lives. Why? Because the enemy has robbed us of our fellowship with God. And he continues to seek us so that we don't have time to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Because the more we fellowship with him, we are in a close association with him. We are participating together with the Holy Spirit. 
We're able to hear from him what he is saying. We're able to, f- to flow with his will and his ways in our life. Why? Because we are so close. If we create a fellowship, a group, a fellowship, a small group, for that to be, for that to qualify to be called a fellowship, people must be interacting. But what the enemy has done, he has, he has, he has, he has, he has influenced and he continued to influence believers so that they don't fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He keeps us so busy with other things and not have time of fellowship with him. It is in the time of fellowship that we're able to hear God. It is in the time of fellowship that we're able to hear that still small voice of God. God would visit man in the cool of the day to fellowship with him. And God, whenever he visited Adam and Eve, he would call them Adam and Eve and they would respond. Why? Because they were in fellowship. And I'm saying to you, what will happen in your life and in my life the moment we begin to increase or to intensify our fellowship with the Holy Spirit? The good thing is the Holy Spirit is not far away. He lives on the inside of us. He is so close to us. But my question is, as close as he is to us, are we close to him? The Holy Spirit lives in us. He is so close by virtue of proximity. But are we close to him? In the way that we live, are we so close to him such that when he whispers, we can hear the whisper? Are we that close to him? And Paul says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. May this fellowship be so close to you. That's the desire of God of our lives, to be that close. From the youth conference, my life was radically changed. I'm always sharing with my wife. I've I've developed this hunger and this thirst in me of, of of, of, of hearing God on a daily basis. Not when there is a situation. Not when there is a challenge. But I, I've developed this hunger of just wanting to, to hear him speak on a daily basis. Why? Because he's a speaking God. He, he loves to interact with us. He loves to speak to us, to guide us. And, and it is my prayer that may this also become your desire where you don't desire to hear God because you're going through stuff. You want this big guidance from him. But where you, you desire to hear God on a daily basis, you wake up in the morning while you're hearing oh, so many voices in your life, but make sure that you don't miss the most important voice. It is the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. What is he saying? We hear what's going on in the news. We listen to what people are saying on social media. But I'm saying to you, what if we begin to desire to hear the voice of God? Everything that we are hearing from the news, from social media, from the telephone, from WhatsApp, a lot of it, if not all of it, it leaves us depressed. It drains us. It discourages us. It takes away hope from us. But let me tell you, the moment you begin to desire the voice of God that comes from a place of fellowship, you will stay encouraged. You will stay motivated. You will not be easily knocked down by the things the enemy throws at us. And I'm saying to the church of the living God today, can we make a decision to keep grace close to us?
Can we make a decision to keep the love of the Father close to us? Can we make a decision to keep the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be so close to us? Be so close to us. Be so close to us. Don't allow things that are harmful. Don't allow things that don't benefit or profit you on the long run to be the ones that are so close to you. To be the things that you respond to more than you respond to the things that are able to give you eternity, that guarantee you eternity of life. And the three things that guarantee eternity of life is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the love of the Father and it is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Make sure they're not far away from you. Keep them close to you. When you wake up in the morning, thank God for his grace. When you go through your day, take some time to pause and thank God for his love for you. Make it a point that you are fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit every day. When you're driving your car, when you're on that train going to and from work, give thanks to God and fellowship with him. Ask him, what are you saying, Holy Spirit? What do you want from my life? From my life? Which way should I go? Order my steps in your word. Bring yourself close to him, to that place where you can hear that whisper of God, where you can hear that still, small voice of God. But it only happens when you keep these three essentials so close to you. So close to you. So close to you. It is the desire of God for him to be so close to us. I think scripture after scripture gives evidence to this. Psalm chapter number 23, verse number 4, as I close. David at one point, he says, Yeah, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. That means there is a closeness that David understood. There is a closeness that David understood that it is there. I'm walking through a, 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 a moment and a phase of life that is characterized by death. But David stands up and says, I will fear no evil. And the reason why I'm not fearing evil is you are so close to me, for you are with me. Isaiah chapter number 40, 43, verse number 2 and verse number 5. Isaiah 43, verse number 2 and verse number 5. God desires to be so close to us. But my challenge to you is, can you make a decision to be so close to him? Isaiah 43. You can start from verse number, from verse number one. But now, this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. <laughs> when you pass through. Now, listen to, to what happens to the people that God declares you are mine. Yeah. When you pass through the waters. I will be with you. <laughs> In other words, I'm going to be so close to you. When you pass through the what? The waters. It's not like these are the waters here. And then it's you who's passing through, and then God is here. 
and cheering you say, well, ah. He's saying when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. In other words, I'm going to hold your hand. What carries the capacity to drown you? If it is going to do so, we're going to drown together. Because I'm with you. God desires to be so close to us. But can you make a desire also to be so close to him? What does verse number five say? Some chapter. Do not be afraid. Why should you not be afraid? For I am with you. Do you know that you can save yourself from reading five books that teach you about how not to fear? By just being close to him. Because if you are close to him, there is no room for fear. Fear cannot stand the presence of God. Fear cannot stand the presence of God. So you can save yourself from five days and nights of absolute fasting to drive away fear by just being so close to the Father. Because he desires to be so close to you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I'm reminded of Joseph. He was, in, he, was, he was in Egypt, far away from home. He was a stranger. He was a slave. He wasn't just an immigrant. He was a slave. No brothers around him, no sisters around him, no dad, no mom around him, no people from his own country around just by himself. But the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And you can tell from the things that happened in his life that there was no fear in him because the Lord was with him. And now the Lord is with you, but are you with the Lord? I can't remember. There's another verse that is in the Old Testament. I think Kings, somewhere there, talks about Asa. I think it was King Asa who says, the Lord is with you if you are with him. It's two-way. The Lord is with you if you are with him. I will close with Matthew chapter number 28. Verse number 20. I'm just trying to show you how, how much close God is to us. Matthew 28, verse number, verse number 20. Thank you. I'll start from verse number nine, 18. I like, I, like, I like to just bring the context. It's the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to, to me. That's to Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse number 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you. I am with you. I could have put a number of scriptures that shows how much God has brought himself so close to us. But the challenge to us is, can we make ourselves close to the one who has brought himself so close to us? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Be so close to you. 
be so near you. Be so close to you so that you can, you can touch it. You can touch grace. You can feel grace. You can hear grace such that you can see grace because grace is so close to you, because the love is so close to you, because the fellowship is so intense, so close to you. You, you, you are able to handle every situation of life. I'm looking for people that are going to make a decision from today and say, you know what? When I leave church, or this is going to be my lifestyle, where I allow the grace to shape my conduct, where I allow the love of the Father to shape my, my, my mind, where I allow fellowship to be the order of my life, to be the order of my life. Don't allow things that are harmful. Every young person who's in here, somebody shout amen. Every young person in the house, I want to shout amen. Can you hear me, every young person? Your lifestyle is shaped by the things that are around you. I think this year when we do our back to school, this year when we do our back to school, I'm preparing something on friendship. Because there's something so powerful about the people that you are allowed to be so close to you. There's something so powerful. But for us as a church, I'm looking for people that are going to say, Pastor, I agree. I want to make this my lifestyle. Where I allow the grace to be so close such that it shapes my lifestyle. I want to allow the love of the Father to me to shape my lifestyle. And I want to allow the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to shape my lifestyle. Can we rise on our feet? Can we rise on our feet? I want us to, I just want us to take this two or three minutes to, to pray to God. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. If this is your decision, if this is something that you say, Pastor, I want to embrace this. For me as your pastor, I would highly recommend you. If there's a way that I could enforce it on you, I would have done that. But I want you to make a personal decision so that you can take ownership of it and get to a point where you say, Pastor, I want grace, love, and fellowship to order or to shape my lifestyle. But I want you to go before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, help me. I cannot do this by myself. I need you to help me. Ignite a hunger in me of fellowshipping with you. Ignite me a hunger to love, to crave for your love, to walk in your grace, to walk in your mercy. Let's go before the Lord and pray and ask God for that grace. Thank you for tuning into Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also interact with Pastor Danny on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description. Until we meet again, may heaven keep smiling at you.